Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Maz and you're listening to episode 12 of the Balanced Natural Health podcast, where we discuss East, West and all the best in natural health. today's episode, we are going to demystify one of the central concepts that we use in Chinese medicine to classify things, whether they're symptoms or phenomena or just the world around us. And this is the concept of the five elements. So much like the concept of yin and yang, the five elements stem from Taoist philosophy. And for the past several thousand years, the five elements have informed Chinese thought, science, technology, and culture, influencing fields as diverse as military strategy, music, martial arts, and of course, medicine. There is so much insight to be gained from understanding the five elements concept and how it applies to life, health, and the world around us. So I thought we'd spend the next few weeks diving into this concept. So let's get into it. So like yin and yang, the five elements are a way of describing everything that surrounds us in the world that we inhabit. So let's have a little recap of yin and yang. So yin and yang are two complementary, inseparable, balanced and opposing qualities. They exist in relationship to each other and they can be used to describe a whole spectrum of phenomena. And to give us an example of some of the phenomena that can be described by yin and yang, the traditional Chinese character for yin incorporates visual elements that mean the shady side of a hill while the character for yang incorporates elements that mean the sunny side of a hill. In the contemporary simplified Chinese characters, yin and yang have been further distilled into elements that represent the moon for yin and the sun for yang. So we can see just from the way that yin and yang are written in the Chinese language that shade and darkness and the quiet of night are yin in comparison to the light, brightness and activity of yang throughout the day. Night and day are two sides of the same coin. We need one to have the other and they can't exist in isolation, much like yin and yang. Similarly, within our bodies, we also have an eternal interplay of yin and yang. Yin is more solid and static in comparison to the dynamic energy and movement of yang. And so therefore, in the body, yin can relate to the physical, material aspects of our bodies, like the flesh, the blood, the bone, the chemical messengers and hormones, and so on, while yang can relate to the healthy function, metabolism, and all the processes that take place in the body, and the processes that metabolize those physical yin aspects. So these are things such as the heartbeat to circulation, and all the many trillions of chemical reactions that are happening throughout the body um, in all the cells of our bodies. So when yin and yang are imbalanced in the body, symptoms and disease can arise. For example, if we take the case of someone who's always fatigued or always cold, or another person who has low motivation or flat moods, or perhaps even has depression or hypothyroidism, these situations are often characterized by an underfunctioning or an undermetabolism. And in many cases, we can see that these people have insufficient or low yang because yang governs that 
uh, motive force, that dynamic, energetic, metabolizing process. On the other hand, we can have someone who is unable to wind down, perhaps exhibiting some manic tendencies or even biochemically, as in the case of hyperthyroidism, where a lot of the body's processes are sped up. So in these situations, we might say that these patients have a relative excess of yang compared to the other group of people that we just discussed that were more on the hypo side. So same with yin, we all need a healthy amount of body fluids, flesh, muscle and so on, but it's possible to have too much or too little. So excess yin would be situations where there is an excess of material substances in the body, such as fluid retention or overgrowths like bone spurs or tumors and lumps while an insufficiency of yin might be seen in an insufficiency of the material substance of the body, like in cases of famine, for example, where people are emaciated. On a more subtle level, uh, insufficiency of yin might also be seen in an insufficiency of certain biochemicals or hormones that have a yin-like effect on the body, like estrogen, for example. So we can see that we can use yin and yang to describe every level and every aspect of not only human existence, but also the world that we see and experience around us. So that's a bit of a recap of yin and yang. And like yin and yang, the five elements are just another way of further categorizing and describing our worldly experiences, what we see and what we feel, what we can touch and taste and smell and so on. So the five elements in this Chinese system are fire, earth, metal, water, and wood. And while they are called the five elements as a shorthand, they have also been variously called at different times the five processes, the five phases, the five movements, the five agents, and so on. So basically they just describe five different types of qualities that can be used to describe our world and our bodies. And the five elements are just an easy shorthand to remember. So this doesn't mean that Chinese people actually thought we had wood and earth in our bodies, but rather that there are qualities that are common to wood, such as the fact that wood is strong and flexible, that can also be seen, for example, in certain body tissues like tendons and ligaments, which are said to have a relative wood-like quality in the body. And there are qualities that are seen in the earth element around us, so the earth as a nourishing foundation that can also be seen in the connective tissue that supports our flesh, so in the connective tissue matrix, and also in the microcirculation that allows for the exchange and flow of nutrients in the cells of our flesh, so allowing for that nourishing and structure. So the five elements just basically describe the interplay and the interactions between different parts of a system. So it's a truly holistic view, it's a systems approach to looking at the world and to looking at our bodies and our health. So just like yin and yang, the five elements are linked with and interact with, support and contain each other. And I've included a diagram in the show notes that illustrates that interaction and the way that the five elements generate and support each other and also contain each other. And the way that that interaction and that relationship was taught to me is that when we think of fire, fire burns to create ash, which is earth. 
and earth harbors minerals and metals deep underground, so earth generates metal. Metal, when it's used as a container, can hold water, so metal supports water, and water in turn nourishes wood, and wood fuels fire, and so on in an endless cycle where fire then generates earth. So in the same way that the elements can support and grow each other, the elements can also contain each other to ensure that there's checks and balances so that no one element gets out of hand. So looking at this relationship, we can see that wood contains earth, and we can see an example of this in nature in tree roots that protect the soil from erosion and hold it together. Earth in turn controls water, and we can control water with earth by creating dams or by absorbing it into mud. Water in turn puts out fire. Fire melts and softens metal, and metal as an axe can chop down wood. So they're all intricately linked with each other. So what are the qualities associated with five elements and how does this relate to our health? So we'll get to the body parts in a moment, but first let's talk about some of the overarching qualities that are associated with the elements. So the wood element, like the trees that it is named after, has a tendency to move outward and it disperses. It wants to spread out and be free like the branches of a tree. In contrast to wood, metal is cold and dense and contracts. Water follows gravity and it flows downward, so water descends. And in contrast to water, fire ascends, like the flames of a fire that's reaching upwards. In the centre of everything, we have the earth element, which is the solid foundation and earth consolidates and grounds everything around us. So the elements are also associated with different seasons of the year, with different climates and weather, and also with different stages of life. So when we think about the new growth of spring and all the fresh shoots and leaves that are shooting outwards and dispersing, and the birth of new lives that happens at this time, this all aligns with wood. And this time of spring is also a windy time, so wood is associated with wind as a climatic condition. And wind is consistent with that innate tendency of wood to want to spread outwards and disperse. In summer, we have the season of fire and warmth. And like a fire that grows upwards, fire is associated with the life cycle of growth. And it's also associated perhaps obviously with heat and we know that hot air rises. So we see that ascending action associated with fire again. Earth is related to dampness and it links to the humid end of summer, which we are definitely experiencing at the moment in Queensland. Um, it's also related to a period of life or life cycle that is linked to transformation and metabolism. And we can think of this like a warm, damp compost heap that transforms and digests scraps into nourishment. Metal has a contracting nature, so it's related to harvest and the period of autumn, which is where life starts to turn inward in preparation for winter. Autumn is also often a dry time, and so metal has a link to dryness as a tendency. 
And finally, winter is a time of consolidation, of going inwards, of storing what we have harvested. And it's a time of hibernating to restore and repair. Winter is associated with the water element and the water element is cold, which explains that climate tendency during winter time and so on until the new growth of spring when the cycle repeats itself with that outward movement after that inward time of winter. Now, getting into the relationship to the body, the five elements are also assigned to organ pairs and different systems within the body. So we have wood, which is associated, as we mentioned before, with that dispersing and that outward growth. And wood is linked to the liver and gallbladder systems in Chinese medicine, which govern a lot of circulation and movement. Fire, due to its warmth, is associated with the heart, which warms us through the circulation of blood. And it's also linked to the small intestine, which is a hotbed of digestive enzymes and factors to break down our food, much like a cooking fire. The earth element, which provides the foundation for life and which transforms and processes, is linked with the digestive organs of the spleen and stomach. The metal element, which contracts and holds what we need and which lets go of that which no longer serves us, is linked to the lung and large intestine. And finally, the water element, which descends and flows downward, is linked to the bladder and kidneys, which are obviously very important in fluid metabolism. So not only are the elements linked to physical functions and systems within the body, but they also have their emotional parallels. So as we discussed, wood likes to push outwards. So wood is related to anger and angry outbursts, for example. Now, wood likes to move freely, and when it can't grow and move in the way that it wants, we can feel frustrated and stuck. So these are also emotions that are linked to wood energy when it is stuck or deficient. Fire rushes upwards, like joy and happiness. And these are emotions often linked to the heart, which is the associated organ of fire. Now, Chinese medicine recommends that we aim for moderation and the middle path in all things. And that includes not indulging in overjoy or overexcitement, because this can damage the heart, just like stress and sadness or insufficient joy can. And we see this actually in modern medicine, where there are now medically documented cases of heart injury from overjoy. And this is called Takotsubo syndrome or TTS, and it's actually brought on by too much joy and can result in weakening of the heart and chest pain and breathless breathlessness. So as always, moderation is the key, even when it comes to joy. Now, as we discussed about earth, Earth is linked to the digestive processes of transformation, rumination, mulling over, and therefore it is linked with overthinking and worry, basically over-digesting our thoughts. Many of us have probably experienced times in our lives where our minds are so busy mulling over or worrying over something that we lose our appetite because our digestive powers are tied up elsewhere. The next element in the cycle is metal, and metal is linked to the lung and large intestine, and it governs taking in what nourishes us, like oxygen, for example, on the inhalation, and nutrients from our food that reach the intestine from the upper digestive tract, 
And it also governs letting go of that which no longer serves us, like the carbon dioxide in exhaled air or our poo from the intestines. So this has parallels in life where at various times we will be called to let go of things that are no longer ours or no longer for us. And so the metal element is linked to grief. Now, the lungs are obviously connected to the throat and windpipe. And very often when we're trying to hold in tears or trying to hold in grief, we can feel a lump in our throat, which is that unexpressed grief trying to find its way out of the body. Now, the final element in the cycle is the water element, which rules the kidneys and bladder. And the water element is linked to fear. So the kidneys and the associated renal system sits closely with the adrenals, which pump out adrenaline in respo response to stress and fear. And this is part of our fight or flight response. Now, when this is triggered, this fight or flight response can override the part of the brain that controls the bladder, which is why people can lose control of their bladder when they're scared or shocked, or why others pee more frequently if they're stressed and nervous. And interestingly, as we learned, water descends. So it's interesting to see that when we're triggered by fear, the bladder can descend excessively, resulting in loss of bladder control. So that's just been a quick little introduction to some of the qualities that are associated with the five element system. There are many more qualities like, say, different tastes, that are associated with each element, different sounds, um, different colors. So we're going to keep going further into this in next week's episode. Um, the tastes that are linked to the five elements actually form the basis of herbal medicine because each of the herbs has a particular flavor which has a therapeutic response in the body. And a lot of this is being echoed in the findings of modern medicine. So that's a really fascinating area. So I'm looking forward to chatting more with you about that next week. Thanks so much for joining me today. Feel free to get in touch and send me any questions you'd like me to discuss in future episodes. All of my contact details are in the show notes. And as always, also a reminder that Chinese medicine is an individualized medicine that tailors the treatment to the individual person. And this means that none of the information discussed today is intended to replace your existing medical advice from other medical practitioners. If you would like more detail, please see your Chinese medicine practitioner for a detailed and personalized assessment. Thanks for listening and wishing you the very best of health.